Hello, I'm Dave and I'm the person who puts this podcast together. It's a shorter episode this week than normal. It's an extra episode, so it's one of the episodes that I put together that isn't a conversation and it is put together partly because I've got a really hectic week and I don't have time to edit a proper episode and I don't have very many conversations in the conversation bank at the moment. But I have got some and I'm gathering more so there will be more standard episodes of Getting Better Acquainted coming up very soon. But on today's episode, because on the day that I'm recording this, it is the last spark Hackney that I'm hosting and in fact the last Spark Hackney in that venue and when Spark London gets together a new storytelling night to replace it it may not even be in Hackney so tonight it is the last Spark Hackney true storytelling night at the Hackney Attic when the episode goes out uh, that will have already happened that will be in the past I've been hosting that true storytelling open mic in Hackney since 2013 so it's become a big part of my life and a big part of my process and a big part of my creative process and it's been a place where I've learned about myself and about other people and it's been an amazing experience and I'm not going to be leaving Spark. I will hopefully continue to do true storytelling with Spark but it won't be in London in the future because I'm moving out of London and so this is the end of a lot of things tonight for me and so kind of to mark that I thought I would share a story that I told at Spark. I told it last month at the penultimate Spark Hackney where the theme was housemates. So after the theme tune, that's what you're going to hear. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. So I have a lot of complicated feelings about this story and about all of the people in the story, which makes sense because the theme is housemates and people you live with, you do have loads of different feelings about. You love them, you hate them, they annoy you the most in the world and, you know, they're the people who are there when you're down. They're everything uh, in your world when you live with them. Uh, And so the house that I'm talking about, the house uh, that that is the main house in this story, is a house that I moved into in the second year of university, right? So it was with eight people. We'd all been in different corridors and we'd found each other, you know, like-minded people or so we thought going in, uh, which is often the way with houses. Um, So eight of us, though, who had come together, we had planned to go go to this house together. The house was owned by this kind of weird, hippie, capitalist guy. He painted all of his walls red and like was like, yeah, I had a great time listening to Bob Marley and painting the walls. Um, so we thought like this was a good environment for us, uh, a good environment for people. Like there, there was a mix of people, but a lot of us did theatre, a lot of us did kind of creative things. It seemed like the perfect place for creative juices to flow. And, and we weren't wrong. It was uh, in many ways too much of a good place for creative uh, juices to flow. I mean, it was a chaotic, disgusting house 
house, you know, where, you know, your, your parents would come to stay and you'd, you'd find that they'd have to, like, you'd, you'd say, hey, do you have a nice shower? And they'd say, well, no, because someone had vomited all over the bathroom floor. It was like an unpleasant house where no one was taking care of the house or themselves, uh, but everybody was doing lots of talking, lots of thinking, lots of drinking, lots of living, right? So it had its pros and its cons. And into that house, uh, three of us, myself, my housemate Hannah, and my housemate Clive, we decided to bring into that house uh, some new housemates, uh, because we all really liked uh, animals, and we thought we'd get some pets. So we went down to the pet shop, uh, and we bought two rats. it was one of them bought a rat each and I bought the house. And so, and that was a equivalent the same amount of money. So we basically had three shares in those two rats. And so we brought those rats back to the house. We called them mouse and mole, as you do to rats. You know, they were lovely rats. Uh, I didn't go home to my my house when I lived in university, you know, back home where I'd come from because I didn't want to go back home. Uh, So I was the one who looked after the rats during the holidays. So I spent quite a lot of quality time with those rats. Um, And when I wasn't spending uh, the holidays with those rats, they lived uh, in Clive's room uh, at the beginning. Uh, And so we had those rats in the house. Now, This we didn't think would be controversial when we brought the rats back because we really like rats. But guess what? I'm sure some of you will already know this. Not everybody really likes rats. Uh, So there were some mixed feelings about the existence of the rats. And one person in particular, Richard, who was another one of these eight flatmates, he didn't really like the rats. Uh, Clive... Uh, whose room they were in liked the rats and would take the, the rats out and he would uh, like play with the rats a lot but he is the kind of person who thinks that he can kind of uh, mold other people to his point of view and so one day he uh, put the rat into Richard's hands. Richard claims that he was aiming for somebody's uh, physical body uh, like when, when he did this, which I guess is better, but I don't necessarily think he, he was. His instinct was to throw that rat away through him, and then the rat sort of flew down the stairs and landed uh, on the breasts of, a, of, a, of another flatmate. <laughs> I wasn't there for this incident, but that incident, you know, caused a house meeting. You know, clearly it should uh, like the, there was an animal in danger that was one third of my animal and I did love that animal the problem is that at that house meeting I laughed quite a lot about that incident because it was funny and so did Clive and so Hannah discovered herself to be in a house meeting where the two co-owners of her rats were laughing about the welfare of those rats uh, lives And so at the time, I thought I was very much in the right in this story. But now I don't. Now I think that, you know, what happened was I didn't listen to my friend who had very reasonable, justified complaints. I instead laughed with my other friends who you may notice are men. And the friend that I laughed at, I guess, was the woman in this story. And so, like, now I see that as a very gendered moment. And I see my relationship with Clive in particular as a very gendered relationship. That now is a big issue for me. I've known that guy for a long time. And at this point in my life, I don't want to know him anymore. Like, when he comes round my house, occasionally, when he comes to stay, 
Um, he has lots of conspiracy theories that he thinks that I should listen to. Uh, he has kinds of attitudes around gender and race that I can no longer think are, uh, you know, ironic or whatever I thought in that room when I was laughing about a rat. Like, I now see my complicity in that moment. What happened was Hannah quite reasonably took those rats away from that house. They went to stay with her, her dad. And I was very bitter for quite a lot of years. So I was like, my rats got taken away from me and I wasn't involved in the incident and I didn't think it was right that the rat was thrown down the stairs. So why did they get taken away from me? Well, they got taken away from me because I didn't support my friend. And I didn't, like, take a thing seriously. And I didn't stand up against other friends who had not behaved well. I laughed. And I was complicit in that moment. And that moment has meant that Hannah, my friend then, she's not really my friend now. Like, and I don't know why that is. And I suspect it's because of that incident. But it could have been because of other incidents that happened in that house. But... Now I know that what I did that day, I didn't just uh, lose my rats, I lost a friend. And I, and I didn't understand that that's what I was doing. And that's the thing, when you get into a, a, a group with people that, who you don't come up with, you don't necessarily know who they are yet. And over time, they might show you who they are in different ways over their life. And it might be that the person that you thought uh, was your great friend will let you completely down and you will not want to introduce him to anybody else that you know. And it might be the person that you thought betrayed you was the opportunity of a lifelong friend that you turned down because you laughed and you didn't listen. So I thought I would share that story not because it's necessarily one of my best stories or one of the best performances I've done of a story, but because it is very much a story that's pertinent to a lot of the thinking that I'm doing at the moment. Because in 2015, I made a show about being a man called What About the Men? Mansplaining Masculinity. And I took that show to the Edinburgh Festival. And at the end of that whole process that year, I recorded it and released it as a free podcast as part of the Stand Up Tragedy podcast feed. And you can still find it there. It's the most recent podcast on that feed. As part of doing that show, I did an anonymous survey of a thousand men's thoughts on masculinity and patriarchy. And that has become a big part of the work that I'm doing around masculinity. And you can find the show and you can find that research. And you can also find a link to the Radio 4 forethought piece that I did in 2016, which updates my thinking and extends my thinking and reflects on doing that show. You can get a link to that and you can find everything else about mansplaining masculinity over at mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk. But I've been doing that show for a few years now. I do it everywhere that I I can. I've done it in quite a lot of university settings. I've done it in theatre spaces and I've done it in front of tiny audiences and I've done it in front of large audiences and I've received lots of different kinds of responses and I believe in that show. I really do believe in that show and I wish that show had existed when I was a younger man and that I could have seen that show 
and maybe I would have done things differently at different times in my life. For example, in the story that I shared with you today. So I've been plugging away, doing my masculinity show for a few years. And then in December last year, Unbound, who are part publishing company and part crowdfunding company reached out to me and asked me if I would like to make a book of mansplaining masculinity and I said yes please and that means that I launched a campaign with them in February to fund that book and the way it works is people pre-order that book in advance and once enough people have pre-ordered it it will hit the target and that will mean that it will be time for me to write the book and then when I've written the book it'll get out to people but none of that will happen unless people support the book there's not just the option to pre-order the physical copy of the book there's other kinds of ways that you can pledge to support it all of which will involve you receiving a physical or a digital copy of the book but there's also other things that you can get as well as the book there's uh, different ways that you can support it you can support altruistically and and get copies for local libraries or pay more money just because you want to be associated with doing a good thing but there's also different options that you might be interested in that will give you more for your money but unless it hits that target uh, I won't be making that book so I really do need your support their link to that book is also at mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk or you can find it at unbound.com forward slash books forward slash mansplaining hyphen masculinity I'll put links to all of that in the show notes as I always do I also make a podcast called the family tree Uh, we've finished the second season of that it's a magical realist podcast drama about family change belonging and belief and that show is another thing that I'm incredibly proud of the performers that we've had working with us are amazing and it's co-created with them because it's a semi-improvised show the music for the show is amazing and made by brilliant musicians the artwork for the show is brilliant made by brilliant artists Uh, it's co-created by me and my partner so it's not just me that I'm proud of so it's easier to be proud of that show but I don't think there are any shows that are out there that are like it it's very hard to talk about without spoiling it for you so I really do suggest that you go and listen to it from episode one onwards and we are making season three that's going to be the third and final season of that show we do need your support to help us to make it as good as it possibly could be do go to www thefamilytreepodcast.co.uk there you can find the show and you can find links to other ways that you can listen to the show but also there's a link there to our Patreon campaign which again is kind of crowdfunding art Uh, in this case you can pay per episode and again you will get more cool stuff the more money that you can afford to pay to support that project I'm going to leave it there I've got other things that I do but I want to focus on just those two things today those are the things that I could really do with you supporting if you do have the disposable income to be able to do that I totally understand that many of us particularly in the current climate struggle with money and struggle to support the things that we love and to make them happen and so I don't expect anybody to to contribute to either of those uh, campaigns unless you can afford to. 
But because it is so hard for so many of us to get our stuff made and to keep on doing stuff, if you can afford to support the arts, and not necessarily me, maybe there's other things that you want to use your money on that matter more to you, and that's that's absolutely fine. But anybody who can support people creating things, making things in this tough time, when we need stories more than ever, this is the time, if you can afford to support the arts, to do so. And lastly, I just want to direct you over to Spark London, which is stories.co.uk. I won't be doing the Hackney Night on the second Monday of the month, but the Brixton Night on the third Monday of the month carries on. And we've got some amazing and exciting extra events coming up over the next few months. There's a night showcasing some comedians doing full-length storytelling shows. We're doing some collaborations with various different organisations and charities. And so do check out all of the upcoming events on stories.co.uk and Spark also exists as a podcast where you can hear lots and lots of stories going back lots and lots of years because Spark London has existed for 10 years and I've been a part of that for about seven. So uh, there's loads and loads of Spark stuff, true storytelling stuff, and it's all out there on that podcast for you to listen to. As I mentioned, I'll be back next week. If I don't have a standard episode of the podcast, I'll at least replay one of the old ones from the archive. So we will go back to conversations and to long form next week for those of you who are slightly disappointed by the short length and the non-conversation format of this week's Placeholder episode. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook at Getting Better Acquainted. And you can find it anywhere that podcasts go to hang out with each other on the internet. And if you want to email me personally, that's gbapodcast at gmail.com or I'm goosefat101 on Twitter. And remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted. <laughs>